I just turned mine up because it was not at 100. How do I sound? You sound Something. like you're in the room. Well, there we go. Because mine is also not registering with any kind of dramatic flair. But I guess I'm not like, we'll see what happens when I laugh. Do a fake if laugh. You blow out the recording. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Van Harn in Money Pit Studios in Detroit, Michigan, and this show has everything. Fateful Glaciers, Schrodinger's Cat, Fateful Piano Lessons, Fateful Olympic Swimming, Fateful Polar Bears, Severe Depression, and if you've also read it, you'll know that this week we're discussing our book club book, Midnight Library. Joining me today to discuss our potential parallel lives and so much more are three out of four of my favorite co-hosts. In Stick of Butter Studios from New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lenholm. Good evening, Anne. In another universe, it could have been Carrot Stick Studios. <laughs> if you were like a vegan. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you never know. I haven't thought about this until the, just exactly the second, so it's not really a well-formed concept. We, we can delve into it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's what this whole episode is going to be about. Um and in Waterworld Studios in Albany, New York, it's Bobby Pape. Hey, Bobby. Hi there. I'm pretty sure in every universe I'm just this. <laughs> oh. And if she doesn't regret having her kids, uh, it's still middle-aged momish studios in Austin, Texas. Hillary Butler. Hi, Hillary. Yeah, no, I feel like if I had made some different choices, I would be like anti-mame. So I still would be like middle-aged momish, but like with more flair and travel. Yeah, yeah. There's no problem with that. I think that's great. Um, All right. Today on the show, we've got some small talk, including the return of one of Tishi's favorite holiday traditions. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We're going to read your question of the week responses from our last episode that are still so delightful to me. Um, For medium talk, uh, get out your bottle of shard for the book club. And then we've got some Tishi recommends for you. And as always, we'll let you know how you can get involved with the show. Um, First up on the list is small talk. And do you want to get us started with that since you've got our first topic? So I put up the tree and decorated the house for Christmas last weekend. And since this that officially starts the season, I figured it was time to get to the shitty Christmas movies. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, our uh, longtime listeners may remember that last year I took on the challenge of watching one Christmas movie a week. Although it has become slightly associated with my persona, I'm not actually a huge Christmas watcher, Christmas movie watcher. I just dabble. Um, but I decided to do it again. You will remember my um, my hoe-based rating system will be making a <laughs> comeback. Yeah, uh, I'm and so I, excited. I started off with the... Wait, was this Netflix? I forget. I think it was Netflix. <clears throat> I'll have to see what it was. 
I assume the Netflix Flix classic Hometown Holiday from 2018 starring Sarah Troyer question mark <laughs> no and Bradley idea. Hamilton question mark two big question marks i mm. i have heard of a lot of shitty people shitty like and i've never heard those names <laughs> together like that well they seem to be mainstay mainstays in the uh vancouver film <laughs> si- uh, oh. situations uh, you know as as most uh holiday type people a uh, holiday movie type people are these year um let me just go ahead and read the synopsis because it's not that long Krista is starting this new year with a new business and a resolution to be more selective with who she dates. When Krista meets Ryan Rourke, an entertainment lawyer from L.A., the two really hit it off. Ryan is in her hometown to sign a local rancher-turned-viral singing sensation as his new client. Now with Krista also in Rust Creek, maybe there's more of a reason to stick around. Both are holding on to things from their past and are forced to make some decisions if they truly want to be together. Mm. This synopsis makes it sound ten times more interesting (laughs) (laughs) than it actually was. So normally when you watch a holiday movie where, you know, big, big city lawyer type goes to a small town, it's a very New Englandy thing. Mm-hmm. It's all very small town, Vermont, Maine kind of deal. This is the first one I've seen where the small town is conservative, southern, rural. And they don't actually say that anywhere. Like, hell, if I know what state this is supposed to be in, I assume it's supposed to be America and not Canada, because I don't know where in Canada it would be. Um it's like that vaguely Schitt's Creek thing where they're in Canada, but they don't acknowledge that they're in Canada. Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, there's never any specificity of place except for the L.A. lawyer. But they make a big deal out of the fact that he's from L.A. And here's the thing about this movie is that normally when you watch the small town holiday movies, like the small town people are sort of puzzled by the big city gal coming in and. Well, I I don't know about her, but, you know, they just kind of let it be. These people are hostile to the idea of people who live in large cities. They're always talking about all them big city folks and why can't they just calm down and all that. And to the point where I was like, should I feel offended by this? (laughs) Like, this Probably. is me they're talking about. I yeah. don't know. And and it's also very not religious, but with strong religious undertones. Yeah. Um, there is an encounter with a, a, a pilot, quote unquote, boyfriend who's staying over at her house. And she goes through his phone to find out that he has a girlfriend in every port. Oh, I mean, I know oh, that's the way it yeah. is, right, Will? <laughs> And uh, when she throws him out, his, like, five dates for nothing, being like, they didn't even sleep together. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why, how are Ew. you naked showering in her house, but you haven't slept together? Whatever. But, you know, and uh, like, I don't care either way if you want to be someone who doesn't have sex or if you like to have casual sex, that's fine. But it was just very judgmental. Anyway, our two leads are cardboard cutouts of people, especially the L.A. lawyer. He's supposed to be like this hotshot 
entertainment client sign-in persuasive lawyer, and he's not. And then his sister even, his sister now lives in this small town, and she's like, he's just so shy around women. Like, what are you, what? This doesn't fit this stupid trope at all. (laughs) So you can't tell how many dates they've gone on. I think maybe two in the whole thing before he... Dresses as Santa and proposes to her during, during, on stage, during a performance of the Nutcracker. Too soon, first of all. Second of all, too public. Too, right in the middle of a goddamn scene. (laughs) Scrooge has just come in and given the family a turkey for Christmas dinner or whatever. And then, and then. then, Very rude. I know. And then there's another knock and she's like, another knock at the door why who could it be and in comes santa and i'm like fuck movie and uh there's a there's a very big mix-up where she thinks that he's a rancher because she would never want to have anything to do with one of those big city lawyer types so then he doesn't tell her and she was a once in a generation acting talent who was blowing up in New York before she decided she didn't like the lifestyle and came home to Rust Creek. Is that what they said? Yes. Um, yes. yes. It's the, the some the synopsis of this movie is just a Mad Libs. Like you just plug in the town yeah. name and the character mm-hmm. names and It's Oh, and I would like to say this is the most diverse small southern conservative town i've ever seen like uh, someone's always like hey, happens we have black people here <laughs> that always happens sure where they're like do. we have small town values but we're not racist and it's like okay <laughs> yeah right. like look uh, indian lady <laughs> uh, uh i guess the best thing in the movie is the uh widowed rancher dad who uh, it becomes a viral singing sensation is going to become a country heartthrob. Although <laughs> his singing is a teensy bit flat, I must say. <laughs> but he is extremely pleasant to look at, at least, and a better actor than either of our two leads. But there's no drama. There's no tension. There's no believability. When we get to the ratings, I have a really hard time because this is really bad. But I only gave two hoes to the Ralph Macchio um, <laughs> Latin ballroom dance competition one that was really bad. That's like a Mad Libs right there. Yeah. <laughs> this is just bad in a different way. Like the Ralph Macchio one was goofy and this is just flat. So I will say three hoes. So I guess it gets... A ho ho ho, <laughs> in that it's only offensive to big city dwellers, <laughs> like all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're all corrupt in some way. We don't understand small town charm. We don't know the meaning of Christmas. Is no, the obviously, we don't. We just don't have those small town values. No. You know, and there's not enough. Bobby, how many plaid shirts do you have? I mean, you might be able to pass. Several. Hmm. But, you know, uh, you know, they're all basically the same shirt. Um, and and they're from, you know, I, I didn't buy them from the five and dime. Mm. Mm, well, yeah. Yeah. You, the you spent Saks too much. Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have flannels. any plaid shirts. 
I don't think I do. I have some things from LL Bean. Does that count? Mm. Uh, it's I too think northern. Too it's New pretty England. northern. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> none of us have a pickup truck, which is a problem. <laughs> I have a minivan. Oh no, no, sorry, doesn't count. My station wagon? No. F one fifties are nothing, baby. We have an electric hybrid vehicle. Oh sure. No. Yep. yep. That'll 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 be fine. Gregory yeah. used nope. to have an F one fifty, but it was for work. Never hear the elitists coming in their hybrid yeah. vehicles. It is very silent. It's nice. Um, there was a viral tweet that was going around that somebody sent me that says, let's have a moment of silence this Christmas season for all the big city men wearing suits that are about to lose their fiance to small town guys wearing plaid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, do not recommend hometown holiday. I would say give that a miss. <laughs> Good to know. We're still striving. Um, okay. I guess it's time for me to make a confession. <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to follow that. <laughs> well, I didn't think this counted as news, but I guess it does because nothing else happened this week. Um, so every Thanksgiving, my family does a name draw for Christmas because buying every adult in the family a gift for Christmas is arduous and impossible and expensive. Don't and you mean none it of us, sucks ass? It sucks ass. And none of us care, yep. right? Um all we care about is watching the kids open stuff. So we decided to just do a name draw and I have been, um, kind of, uh, organizing that on drawnames.com, which I think is something that Christy used for one of our secret Santas in the past. And it's fine TM, but what you have to do is either you have to make a wish list if you want to, you know, help out your person who drew your name, um, and it's heavily, um, uh, focused on Amazon and I have been trying to reduce my Amazon, um, dependence and that's tough because I use subscribe and save quite a bit and I get like, you know, all the just household staples, my paper towels and, you know, trash can liners and, and pet stuff and everything. So I've been slowly moving away and using like target more and chewy for the animal stuff and and things like that and so I haven't really gone to Amazon too much but I did because of this wish list and I got a banner on the site that says your prime benefits are expiring December 19th dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. and I was like well this is a pivotal moment so I'm not gonna renew it you guys Yay! I mean, I'm cheering, even though I still use it. It's but scary. No, but I'm I'm proud of you, and I'm like, well, I'm no, I'm like taking this as something that I should do going forward because that's well. Awesome. But I I'm not fully done yet. This is a kind of a cop out because Gregory has it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason so, for two people in the household to be paying for it. There oh. isn't right. Yeah. So and you know I'm going to continue this trend, but like if something's on Prime Video, <laughs> we're just going to use his account. Well, yeah. So don't pat me on the back too hard. <laughs> well, I also have a confession to make. Is that I just subscribed to Prime so that I could watch the Wheel of Time adaptation <laughs> on Prime Video. You, I did the thirty out. day trial. Now, oh, is this okay. uh, this is gonna? Can you? So my Prime trial expires on 
da, 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 December 19th. No way! <laughs> Here's the thing. If you cancel after the trial and then season two of Wheel of Time comes next year, can I resubscribe for a trial? Or no, will they you can not take let me? one of our passwords. Like, don't mm-hmm. do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They got me. They got me. God damn you, Bezos. It does. It happens, you know. You preyed upon my fantasy-loving nerd (laughs) self. I heard that was good. Are you enjoying it? So far. I mean, I I started reading the books when I was 13. Mm -hmm. So I am invested. Although, in fact, I never finished the last two. Because, you know, Robert Jordan uh, died. Everything nice. that Game of Thrones fans are worried about already happened to Wheel yeah. of Time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, There's no of... wondering here. Yeah, yeah. But they, they got a different established uh, author to write the final books based on hmm. his notes. And I just haven't got around to reading those yet. But yeah, it's an interesting story. Well, baby steps. Kind I of. <laughs> I, maybe this there. is like um, cosmic balance. Yes, you know, conservation of Amazon membership as Meredith declines, I must grow to balance it out. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we well, can't avoid it. No. Oh, Bezos. Yeah. I am, I'm not getting rid of my Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do you think I'm then... going to carry toilet paper back from the store to my house like an asshole <laughs> when... <laughs> The mailman will just drop it at my door. Here's the other thing. I'm very um, adept now at when I do shop on Amazon, which is pretty rarely at this point, uh, of balancing the how much I need to buy to get free shipping kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. the whole reason that I, I never wanted a Prime subscription, besides you know the inevitable Amazon taker of the world, um, is because I just don't buy enough stuff to justify the cost was always my thing. And so I figure if you just uh, don't have to have it tomorrow and you can not pay shipping anyway. So what's the big deal? So I went to buy something again, buying Christmas presents for the nephews. Uh, I went to buy something on Amazon that I couldn't find elsewhere. And I was looking around to like find something else. And then I clicked through on the buy and it was like free prime shipping. It'll be here on Friday. And I was like, Oh, like it didn't even occur to me that now I get this stupid two day delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon into the air. Yep. For the, um, we talked about this before the show, but I ordered a calendar and I actually had to pay a little bit for shipping for it to get here on time. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't do that. It wasn't that much. It was like, not, it was not a big deal, but I, I won't it, get something on Amazon if it's like two ninety nine for shipping. I'm like, know. nope, sorry. Absolutely not. Can't do that. I know. They've conditioned <laughs> us to not. I'll pay $5 more for drive free across shipping. town. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I'll take the hybrid. It's fine. <laughs> uh speaking of delivery we'll move on to the mailbag Ooh, oh, nice good transition <laughs> you're so good at this Bobby. where we got an email from justina who writes uh a few things to us uh which ones of this should i read yeah i think i'll read all of it first bobby and hillary if you do a get together in boston i'd be happy to come I can even see about getting the milk and honey cake to bring, which we discussed. Mm. Well, you weren't invited until that. Yes. Yeah. Now you're invited. Milk yep, and honey cake. 
guys, my Hillary. office is in Boston, and I need to go visit them at some point. So we See? have to do a Boston thing at some point soon. I would enjoy I that very no much. Reason let's to just go to Boston. Come on, well, let's Us. make this a reason. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And cannoli. Oh, cannoli! <laughs> yes. I want to meet Justina. I want and Justina. Cakes. Come to meet Justina, and then we'll do all the other stuff too. But come to meet. <laughs> come Justina. to meet Justina, and if Bobby happens to be there, so be it. <laughs> Whatever. That's yeah, fine. three, I've seen three him days before. a week. I often am. <laughs> so it'll be great. Uh, going on, Justina says. Second, speaking of cake, well, tart, but close enough. My sister made this cranberry tart with ginger snap crust for Thanksgiving, and it was amazing. And then she sent us the recipe as a PDF so that we wouldn't have to pay for a Washington Post subscription to read <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Justina, I made that, but in bar form because I didn't have a tart pan. Oh. It's great. I'm interested in the idea of cranberry curd. I'll try it. It's delicious. I Just like be... the sourness. What if Meredith led a baking episode because she's done it? Well, oh. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, third question of the week answer, uh, and we'll go ahead and read this one now, and then we'll do the rest in a few minutes. We asked people for their song with either Black or Friday in it, <laughs> and she said, I'd go with Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, the KT Tunstall classic, yes. and I say that because I think KT Tunstall only had a couple of classics. Yep. Uh, Suddenly I see. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a good beat, and you can dance to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, fourth, I keep forgetting to mention this random bit of trivia, but when I was an undergrad at MIT, brag much, Neko had right. a factory just up the street several days a week. Some lovely smell or other uh, would waft down the road to us as we scurried across the street to class. It was a running joke about how great it would be if Neko wafers tasted as good as they smelled. <laughs> now, I have a theory that this is some uh, byproduct of separating the good parts from the chalk <laughs> that is left over that becomes it's, the Neko. It's yeah, probably just off. the vanilla flavoring, right? Because what else is there? Oh, they're burning off all the flavor. And what's left is Neko wafers. It's purification uh, of some sort. <laughs> yeah. She also notes that uh, construction on the bathrooms started today and their cat snuck out in the confusion. Don't worry, the little punk is back safely inside feeling smug, which of course, Justina is the default setting for most cats. <laughs> Thank you, Justina, for the email. And with that, we'll go to the question of the week responses. And again, these are your songs that either invoke Black or Friday. Koyan says Black Celebration by Depeche Mode, an old high school favorite. Linda says Black Magic Woman by Santana. I forget, uh, Hillary, you're editing this episode? Yes. You get a lot of outro songs. To I know. <laughs> Um, Gregory, who for some reason I almost just wrote G Unit when I was. <laughs> He'd accept so, that. Okay, so G Unit says Friday Ice Cube, classic, yeah. obviously. Jonathan says uh, uh, Black River by Almost Lee Live at Red Rock, so very specific version of that song. Uh, Meredith, you chimed in to remind us that your pick was Friday by Rebecca Black. Just in case anybody I had to. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, anybody didn't, didn't make it into the end of last week's show. Right. Uh, right. I, if you're not a completist, just turn it off now. It's all or nothing here. Uh, Rosemary chimed in to say she was also coming to say Friday by Rebecca Black. Then Peter came in to say 
Rebecca Black's Friday. <laughs> I think he typed that at the. I think that was a jinx situation. Yes, okay, I think he typed too. it exactly the so same time as me. Who's buying who a Coke? Uh, I think he owes me a Coke. Yes. Diet Coke, please. Uh, weirdly, I'm drinking tea tonight instead of Diet Coke. And I only am claiming that I won because I am an admin on the page and you're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dealer takes the draw, right? Uh, Bree says, uh, The Cure, Friday, I'm in love, which is a classic yep. option, of course. They Lane definitely says, played that on YSO. Of on course. The, of course. On Friday, yeah. Lane also says, Someone got to The Cure, Friday, I'm in love first, so I'll go with Back in Black by ACDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalina, Black, Pearl Jam. John, Friday Morning uh, by Krungman. Anne, Black Pumas, you know better. And then in parentheses, this live version is off the hook, so go to the Facebook page for the link to that. Fred says Black Friday by Steely Dan. Duh. As if we should have known <laughs> duh, that. Duh. Obviously. That Christy was definitely Wise. the first show that they, the, the first uh, song that they played on the show. Of course. <laughs> and I was like, Christy. I didn't know they had a song called that. Sorry to keep interrupting you. No, 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 no. You're really interrupting Christy. Uh, so whatever. Fair enough. Christy Wise, uh, since Kalina stole mine, I'll go with Black Hole Sun. Oh, my God. Yuck. I, I hate I, that song so much. I've told this story before, but like there was my summer of like complete slack where it was the first summer I didn't go to camp and I didn't like have a job or have activities to do. So it was summer and I didn't have a car. So it's summer before sophomore year. I, my brother was in Europe. So he brought his Sega Genesis home with his TV from college. So I had a TV in the room <laughs> and like a TV in the room playing MTV on a loop and this is like in my room and then my brother's TV where I play Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And all I remember is Black Hole Sun being on like almost constantly. That video that was never not on. It was MTV. never not on. It, so Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Black Hole Sun are <laughs> inextricably linked in my head. Well, and that video came out when? 1994. 1994. Okay. So I feel like that was the same summer that maybe like. TLC's Waterfalls totally. was on MTV. Totally. Oh. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Those two, for some reason, stick out to me. Partially because the Black Hole Sun video was, like, slightly disturbing. Yes. Because it was, like, the big eyes and the stuff. The big mouths. Yeah. 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 And then, like, The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson also was kind of weird. There's that song, that Collective Soul song. It's like, I don't know. That song was also, is that a really good rendition of it? I think it was. I totally know what you mean. (laughs) Bobby's like, I was eight. (laughs) No, I'm mainly over here just thinking about how, first of all, they're, the scene you described, Hillary, I can smell the dank weed in the walls of that yeah. room. You know, it was before I had ventured into that world, so it was just more probably like... What was che- the Cheetos situation? No, I was going to say, it was, I said it was probably like a Cheetos Diet Coke situation going sure. on. All right. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at 1994 MTV Video Music Awards, Heart Shaped Box yes. by Nirvana, yeah, Everybody sure. Hurts by R.E.M. Classic. Uh, if by Janet Jackson. Uh, that song... Please read the lyrics to that song. I did one time, and it, it's the horniest song that you cannot understand the words until you read the lyrics, <laughs> and it's wild. Crying by Aerosmith, Mr. Jones by Counting Crows. This yes. is giving me flashbacks. I, know. I don't Jesus, like this I very much. I hate that Counting Crows song. <laughs> I hate wow. almost all of these songs just because I've listened to them all a zillion, Loser, trillion Loser times. Loser came out that year, too. Around what a Man time. by salt and Pepper. That's still a good That's one. a great song. It's a jam. Body like Arnold with a Denzel face. Yep. <laughs> Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty. Yes. Heartbreakers. God. Kiss That Frog by Peter Gabriel. What the 
<laughs> that room also smelled like Adam Durrett's hair. Now that I'm thinking about it. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, and also, I just want to stop to say, Christy, uh, who, because the, uh, she went with a Soundgarden song because the Pearl Jam song was already taken. You're a walking cliche of your city. <laughs> Which she acknowledged. You Embrace know. it. Embrace yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, Howard writes, oh, you kids, Blackwater by the Doobie <laughs> Brothers, 1974, and then encouraged us to listen to it through headphones. Pretty sure that is from the phase when everyone realized vinyl. you could do stereo sound. I mean, I'm not super familiar with the Doobie Brothers catalog, but you put some Michael McDonald on? I'll yeah. listen to that. Sure. Oh, yeah. And then Carolyn, Babies in Black. Hmm. And on the Beatles. Yep. Cool. So there you go. Very nice. Thank Good you list, for your... Guys black and friday songs did we have any other contributions did, did we have any from the group to add here mine was mine was friday i'm in love i never mm-hmm. remember song titles i think that's probably why i picked that one because it was the one that i could remember <laughs> <laughs> they did play that one on the wyso show and black friday by steely dan as i said like i was just surprised that there was such an even more on the nose song. I think maybe that was the winner. Yeah, that is the tax man of Black Friday. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. I'm trying to think, we didn't get any Black Sabbath. We didn't get any Black Eyed Peas. Um, hmm. Gosh, I wonder why. I like I "Where's the Love." Yeah, <laughs> is that somebody's favorite song? <laughs> I I bet it is somebody's favorite song. Yeah, because absolutely. I d- because I do a really good job with Fergie's hook. Yes, I go. want to hear that. <laughs> yes, please. Well, that's your contribution. Chase some waterfalls now. But... Yeah, well. So do we have enough for like an hour-long playlist? If we play Rebecca Black every time it was, so like three times? I mean, yeah, it was mentioned there. at least thrice. So. Next week's episode is just a mixtape that gets our show shut down. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's how we go out. It's bad enough that we let a whole song breathe at the end of the show. We just air a straight hour mixtape of other people's licensed music. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a given that we're encouraging people to purchase the song, the outro song for themselves, right? We're not we would shamelessly like you to go, stealing other people's creativity. Go buy the single if you like <laughs> it, please. Uh I'm sorry. I, I, I have know, two I'm monitors so- up right now. So <laughs> I'm, sorry. Just- I'm sorry. I posted the lyrics, the link to the lyrics of If in the Slack, but it came up with the um, cover oh, art. With the for- picture. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. I forgot about that. I would, I would, I mean, okay. So they did play Black Star by Radiohead on the show. There's Black Mirror by Arcade Fire, which is the, the, the show's name is based on that song. Um, What else is there? Black. Okay. So. John Grant is an artist that I really like, and he has an album called Gray Tickles Black Pressure, and there's also a song by that name that's really good. Um, there's The Black Album by Jay-Z, uh, Black on Both Sides by Most Def. You feel like Friday is really the, the bigger challenge. Let me search my library for Friday. If I put see. Friday into no Spotify, results. I get I get eight covers of Rebecca Black or no, excuse me, of Friday I'm in love. If I search Friday in Apple Music, Friday by Rebecca Black is the first thing that comes up. Oh, there's that Katy Perry song. 
Oh, right. Which Friday by Ice Cube. Which, which Rebecca Black is in the video. You. How much money go. do you think Rebecca Black has made off of that? Too much. Well, Phyllis said she was on an episode of Terrible Thanks for Asking, which I now need to listen to. Yeah. I wonder if she talks about that. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, not to be mean, but what else does she have to talk about? Well, yeah. I mean, she was she was. She's on to talk about her book. Skewered <laughs> by it. <laughs> I mean, but, but why does anybody care about Rebecca Black? Because of the whole kerfuffle over her song. Because the song was so bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure she was treated so horrendously over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the entire internet bullied a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> yes. Yes, they did. Um, Way to go, guys. Just FYI, there's a, I don't know what it is, but there's a Kids Bop Kids Friday. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know nope. what version. <laughs> nope. I will quit the show. Nope. <laughs> Bobby says nah, I refuse I to be associated with this. <laughs> I mean, Rebecca's Black, Rebecca Black's Friday is already kids pop, right? So I like you said it like Ice you Cube. said it like Surgeon. Rebecca's <laughs> Rebecca's <General>. Black. <laughs> That's a slip up, but I, I don't like think it. it's kids pop. I think it's teens bop, maybe. Mm-hmm. Which Rebecca is Black in some ways worse. Yeah, is twenty four years old now, so I'm picturing her coming on like wanting to talk about her master's thesis and. Only about like she's Billy Bob Thornton. Like she only wants to talk about her masters. <laughs> she's not yeah. discussing Friday. <laughs> I'm no longer taking questions on that. <laughs> uh, and I think we've exhausted that topic. So <laughs> wow, we're in really a lot of different directions. <laughs> wow. Well, Bobby, do you have some sort of transition for this? Because I sure as hell don't. Well, um, <laughs> if there's an alternate universe where Rebecca Black could have written about any other day of the week, we <laughs> she would have written a song Tuesday. called Hump Day. She could have written a song about every day of the week in a, in a parallel universe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, l- let's get into, let's uh, uncork the wine, um, whatever vintage and type type of wine no it has to be a Chardonnay. Chardonnay. i'm sorry it's no it's is that just... the rules in the book yeah. club bylaws yes yeah. only chardonnay yep is Oaky it bottle chardonnay. or box box or box okay and here i am with my baker mayfield nacho cheese dispenser here i am with my trader joe's fall tea wow okay yeah, I... I don't know about this seems like we should be able to come up with something better for book club that doesn't involve liquor, the demon liquor. But anyway, (laughs) uh, we're going to get into the Tishi book club, the return of the Tishi book club. We have picked a book as hopefully y'all will have heard because we did bring it up a couple of times in the past week. So if you're acting surprised and you didn't know it was coming, that's your own fault for not listening to the show. <laughs> yep. I was a uh, litmus test, guys. But uh, we uh, picked the book The Midnight Library by Matt Haig off of uh, listener Kristen's suggestion way back months ago when we first solicited pitches for a book. But not early enough to get it from our libraries. No. Unless we're in Detroit. No, You would think that since the book has been out for 14 months... That uh, the wait lists wouldn't be that long, but yeah. uh, they were for some of us. Yep. And so I just bought it, whatever. I did too. I did too. $9.99 or however much the Kindle cost. It was no no big deal. Not to rub it in, but I rented it on Libby and then Gregory did after me. From oh, Detroit. Rude. Like 
God. It was just like never ending availability. We yeah. should all get in Detroit. Yeah, we should all get Detroit to uh, library cards through Meredith's address. You can use my address. That's fine. <laughs> Seventeen voracious readers all seem to live <laughs> at this one house. <laughs> It's our family pod. What, That's what is the it? thing about Detroit. Nobody will check. Nobody cares. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so right. I'm sure we would get away with that. We're just that... here stealing the copper from your virtual library. <laughs> That's fine. That sounds great. Well, uh, let's get into it and have a little discussion about Midnight Library. I told you guys, like, I don't really know where to take this book because it's kind of a weird one. Yeah. Um. And, like, I don't, like, how do you start? Like, what are your first impressions? So I guess for people who have not read the book, I will give the synopsis of it a spoiler alert. We are definitely going to spoil this book. Yes. And I guess trigger warning if you have um, adverse reaction to um, discussions of a suicide. Libraries. Li- libraries. Yeah. Late nights. But, but I should I should not make light of that. Yes, if if you're if you're triggered by mental, well, not mental illness is the right term, but like depression or suicide. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, the word the term trigger warning has become so I don't know bastardized or yeah whatever. Like it's a it's a joke of a cliche at this point. But you know, I I have felt that. I'll just say back. What was it? Two summers ago? Was it that week that um, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Kate Spade? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both killed themselves. Mm-hmm. That was a rough week for me in yeah. ways that I did not anticipate it because of all the discussion about suicide mm-hmm. and checking up on your people and reaching out if you're, you know, it was just the, the raft of articles that seemed to yeah. be everywhere in the conversations that were going on. It's It was not something that I expected to throw me off, but it really did. So... Look, I will say. 30 minutes 30 minutes of solid Rebecca Black talk <laughs> is already a full content episode. So if you need to stop here, you're good. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But just be be warned, I guess, and, and process uh, in your own way. So anyway, the story of uh, the Midnight Library, it, our protagonist, Nora Seed, has a fairly crappy life. Uh, she is clinically depressed. She's on medication for it, which I think she's probably not taking. Yeah. Um, she is consumed with regrets over the choices she made and didn't make, all the things that she quit, the things that she walked away from, the things that she didn't do. And then she loses her shitty job and then her cat gets killed. And she kind of says, "I'm I, that's enough. Why would I want to wake up? another morning to this and um, takes an overdose. And then uh, the next thing is that she wakes up question mark in the midnight library, which is a liminal space in between life and death. So it's not heaven or hell. It's not purgatory. It's a frozen moment in time and space. That is a representation of her subconscious, I guess. And she goes into this library where she meets her old librarian, Mrs. Elm, who says that this is kind of an inflection point where she can uh, sample some of the other possible lives that she could have lived in this quantum universe 
had she made different decisions. And it starts out as a way to kind of undo some regrets. Or I mean, not undo them. She can't go back in time, but she can go and see where her life would be at this point had she made different choices. And so if she had not stopped competitive swimming or if she had not backed out of her wedding two days before um, the ceremony, congrats on that decision, by the way. Yes. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. How how would the life she was she would be living be and would she be happy in that? So she, it's very much kind of a, a, a an it's a wonderful life quality to it as well. Yes. Yeah. She sees the, the ripples of how the world around her is affected based on the changes that she makes in her own life. And she spends a good chunk of the book um, going through the big regrets, all the things that she spent a lot of time ruminating on and wondering if she made the right choice. And she finds out that that's not that that's not it that all of those lives come with their own problems and challenges and outcomes that she doesn't like which is why she doesn't end up staying in any of them and then she spends who knows how long at sampling who knows how many hundreds or thousands of different lives based on small changes not regrets just different paths before she finally realizes that the life she wants to live is her own messy and sad though it may be and she wakes up and is able to get medical care and doesn't die and that's the end of the book she is um facing her life with sort of the sense of renewed potential and renewed possibilities and the things that she can build from there and how it may be better than she was thinking so that is the plot of the entire book. It's yes. an easy read. It is. It I is. would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it took me three and a half hours yeah. about to read the whole thing. I expect you guys who had the audiobook that probably took a little bit longer. It yeah, did, but eight and a half hours. But it flew pretty quickly. I mean yeah. it's it's one that while <clears throat> you know, I it's not like my favorite book in the world, but it was a very like entertaining book to read. And I was like, Oh, I want to see what's happening next. I mean, it definitely keeps you on the hook a little bit of like, what's the next scenario that's going to happen. And it, and it flies by pretty quickly. Yeah. I found it to be very sort of gently and easily written. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you're on a little rowboat and you just slide down the stream and the stream is not too complicated. Mm-mm. There aren't a lot of plot twists. In fact, no. kind of everything that I thought, what happened did happen you know once you get to the premise of the midnight library like oh well she's gonna go to the swimming life and she's gonna go to the rock star life and she's gonna go to the glacier she's gonna try all of that and we're gonna see uh the outcome of that and we're gonna learn that those lives aren't all they're cracked up to be and and that's what happened so i can't say that i was super surprised by any of it but i enjoyed going on that journey yeah, I um I totally agree with you. I by the end of it I was um like, oh, that was a little bit too neat. Like I was sort of frustrated by the end of it and that it was not frustrated, that's the wrong word, but I just thought it was sort of like a tight, like a um, more sitcomy way. Again, that's, I'm not saying it right, but just sort of like, oh, we tidied it up like she's going to work harder to make her life better or whatever live in that right. life. Um but I I I found sort of the interstitial 
talkings of, you know, like how are you always the same person sort of in whatever life you choose? You know, I, I thought those discuss, kind of philosophical discussions throughout really interesting. And I don't know, I, I found it really entertaining in that way. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I found it to be, and I don't mean this in a negative way, although I don't really see how I could interpret it any other way, but I found it to be a little facile yes. at the ending. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, as my own mental health struggles have taught me, like, it's just not that simple. And yeah. I know that Matt Haig wrote this partially based on uh, a mental breakdown that he had when he was in his mid twenties. So I, I think it comes from a true place for him. And I don't mean to like minimize his experience and what he got from it. And maybe I'm just not there. Maybe I haven't sampled all the lives and worked through all the regrets. So I can't see the simplicity and the rightness of the lesson for what it is. Well, it reminds me of when I was younger and, you know, still to this day, if I was annoyed at school or at work or whatever, my mom would say, you just need to change your attitude. Now, in very small situations, that works. Like if I just kind of change my attitude about it and just decide like, okay, just you got to like deal with it and just move on. It's not that deep. You just have to go on. That really works. Um, And I kept feeling like that was sort of the end of this. Like you got to change your attitude. I don't think that works in... (laughs) And somebody that is clinically depressed about their lives, you know, it's just not that easy yeah. to be like, just buck up a little bit, you know, I, I, and I, and it's not a real life portrayal, obviously, because it is magical realism, but I, you know, you can't sample all of those lives. So you can't really see, oh, well, you know, if I did do this, if I did become a rock star, this actually was terrible. And this is why, 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 you know, you, you, right. you, you do still wonder about the choices you make. And yeah. We have and, no ability to gain yeah. the perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you know, the, so the problem that I had with some of this and kind of the overarching theme was that he really conflates being depressed with making bad choices. Um, yeah. They're, they're two different, very different things. Um, and, and a lot of the time, um, when she's sampling these different lives, she notes whether or not she was in antidepressants or not, right? As a measure of how happy she was. And I just think that's a very simplistic view of depression. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has had it since I was like 18, it's not that, that's not how it works. Um, you can be very happy and be depressed. <laughs> this is not how, you know, it's, it's a brain chemistry problem. I was going to say it's like chemicals. It's not, it's not like yeah. you're like, oh, I made the right choices. So then I'm going to be happy now. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess mean, you could be happier. Does, yeah. He does say at some point, like early on that she has situational depression. That's how she, what she was diagnosed with. But you usually go on antidepressants because you have a brain chemistry problem, not because your life situation isn't great. Yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't help with that. Um, it doesn't help you with decision-making skills. It doesn't help you with coping skills. It helps you with a brain chemistry problem. It's a physical, you know, physiologic problem. Um, so I was a little bit like grumpy about that, I guess. Um, and then there was a bit of a, like, I don't know, a, a physical body obsession. Um, 
of like how yeah. fit she was how mm-hmm. fit she was yeah mm-hmm. th- uh that i really didn't like of like oh when, when she's in her olympic swimmer body gosh her stomach is so rock hard like he just mentions that like several times in different lives yep and that was kind of yucky to me i didn't love that um oh it's the person with body image issues <laughs> I'd be looking at that stomach and going, wow, my stomach is rock hard. Well, probably everybody would, you know, but I think, you know, that's how we're conditioned. And it just struck me as a little yucky. Yeah. I I did appreciate, though, besides describing her body and and her hair, um, he didn't really describe how she looked otherwise. Like, I, I honestly, I mean, I was picturing, picturing Carrie Mulligan the whole time because she's who reads the um, audio book. But I don't think he really described anything other than, like, the color of her hair and no. occasionally her body. Yeah. And the length of her hair. No. There was I, some discussion of, like, how easy it was for her to, like, climb up a flight of stairs in various lives. But, yeah, like, her cardiovascular fitness. Yeah, I found that there, it was remarkably... Um, I don't know how I don't know what the word is blind to physical descriptors for the most part like I didn't get a good sense of uh what her ethnicity is supposed to be I mean if you've got well, they talk about her being ear. Italian a little bit like yeah. you know the, they talk about that oh yeah heritage. her Italian heritage. heritage yeah yeah but they're not super specific about it um no. like the only person that I would say that they kind of point towards the ethnicity of is her old bandmate Ravi, Ravi because yeah. I mean that's such a uh Irish yeah yes Irish <laughs> so and Irish type white. name yeah. yeah but other than that it's it's a pretty um generous canvas that you could paint on so they've got a lot of room to make choices when they make the movie mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. although I'm sure that will be that component of people who were like, what? Rue wasn't black in The <laughs> oh, Hunger Games. And I'm like, yes, she was. Yes, she was. You oh, idiots. Yes. Yeah, they just like don't know how to read uh, yep. very well. Um, I, yeah, Carrie Mulligan should probably do it. She <laughs> probably. <laughs> that, that was the, the one thing that uh, Dave and I are often obsessed with, like English accents, meaning not like, I love an English accent, but just the the different kinds of English accents, like Geordie and, you know, the, how classist it is, um, yes. there. And in the audiobook, she, um, Nora as, you know, played by Carrie Mulligan is, I would say in my dumb American ear sounds more posh, like not super posh, but she has a nice sort of upper crust accent because mm-hmm. she'll play it against other people who, um, like the kids, the kid who she teaches piano Leo, to. Yeah. He his mom has like more of a, it's not Cockney but whatever more of a probably working class yes kind of accent accent. so and I I think you get the picture from her how she describes her parents as her growing up, you know upper middle class it kind of sounded like Mm -hmm. to me, even though she's personally struggling you know with finances but I just think that's due basically to like her depression like not being able to hold her job or and all that. And I see, I had the impression that they were maybe immigrants. Oh. I think solely because of the pressure that her Hmm. father put on her with the swimming. Yes. Which is a pressure that you see a lot in immigrant families, pressure to excel. Mm -hmm. But that's not based on anything other than that particular. It's not exclusive to immigrants, but yeah. No, it's not. It's not. But but... it's it's a familiar part of immigrant narrative. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, we're sort of, I, I did really enjoy the book, even though there were parts that I did not enjoy, but what I, the thing that I took about it, one of the life lessons as somebody who is not depressed, but something that really, really rang true for me in this was there's a part towards the end where she's talking with the librarian. She's like, I've gone through all the scenarios. I've done all this. And she, the librarian's like, no, just keep thinking, you know, what is the next scenario? And she realizes all of the lives that she's gone into, it's because of choices that she makes because of somebody else. Like it's a, it's a choice that she does to make somebody else happy. And then this not kind of final one, she makes a choice to make herself happy. And that is something that really rang true for me is like, how much do you do in your life to placate other people, to make other people's lives easier, to make their vision of you come true? And I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's hard to separate yourself from that. I find to make decisions just based solely on what you want. Yeah, I guess it's easy for her because she feels like she doesn't have anybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So she is the only thing that she can focus on. And maybe that's a way that you learn that you are the only thing that you can control. You know, you're the only thing you have any control over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she can't make her brother like her. You know, she can't make her parents come back. But she can do what she can to, like, repair the relationship she has with the people who are still around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think this is really interesting because it's kind of a bookend to the part that stuck out for me, which was in the beginning. Um, if I actually I have it here, because if I can read this part of it, it's very short. It's titled The Penultimate Update Nora Had Posted on Facebook before she found herself between life and death. And she says in this um, Facebook post, do you ever think, how did I end up here? Like you're in a maze and totally lost and it's all your fault because you were the one who made every turn and you know that there are many routes that could have helped you out because you hear all the people on the outside of the maze who made it through and they're laughing and smiling. And sometimes you get a glimpse of them through the hedge, a fleeting shape through the leaves, and they seem so damn happy to have made it and you don't resent them, but you do resent yourself for not having their ability to work it all out. Do you? Or is this maze just for me? Hmm. She feels like she didn't have a choice, although she made all the decisions. And honestly, I cried after I read this because it rang so true. I know. For me. Mm-hmm. And I, of... I, I thought of you a lot at the, the very <laughs> beginning of the book. <laughs> the sense of being there and being like, well, how did I get here? And how come I can't figure this out and everybody else can? Yeah. Yeah. But there's kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy here because like, okay, she's talking about how everybody else, ha- you know, can figure this out and, and she's the only one who can't. But a huge theme of this book is how her choices, even the ones she thinks are insignificant, impact everybody else around her. Right. So, it's so very much interconnected. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, even if you don't think that what you're doing makes any difference, this is a really interesting way to illustrate that it absolutely does make a difference in other people's lives, whether you feel it or not, they definitely do. And then I was, I was also thinking about when she went to the first time she went to 
another life and she married what is his name why am i forgetting it dan dan yes um oh boy a prince among men (laughs) and she sees the um newspaper article that i guess is framed and it's them like looking happy and opening this pub and i'm like it just is that i always rail against this you know it's people who post on instagram and facebook and i'm certainly guilty of this where you're like oh my god they have all their shit together what the fuck am i gonna do like i remember Mm -hmm. at the beginning of quarantine like not the beginning of quarantine when school started in 2020 like the fall of 2020 and i all these moms were posting their like elaborate school like at home school setups like this is you know it's all color coded and like oh, how yeah, they're that gonna lasted learn. a month mm-hmm. yeah and i i like cried that night because i was like i don't know what i'm doing i haven't done any like i don't do we have a pencil i don't even know if we have anything <laughs> like i don't i'm not ready for this and like and it's all a lot. Like, it's all, nobody has it figured out. But, like, I feel like some people portray themselves as figuring out. Anyway, when she was with Dan, I think she realized, like, oh, it looks from the outside like we're perfect. And we opened the small business, and it's great, and we're loving. And then, in reality, he's cheated on her with some random girl, and he gets drunk all the time. And, it and sucks. we're drowning in debt. Yes. And he can't stand that she knows more things than he does yep yep exactly. <laughs> so she pretends not to yeah Yuck. that was a disgusting Ugh. gross life yep um can we talk about consent for a minute here yes because mm-hmm. i sure started thinking it especially in in the in the last sample she does which honestly i understood why she wanted to save there stay there because she was married to ash the cute surgeon and she had the adorable daughter and the adorable dog and a career that she loved and a house that was wonderful and a super fulfilling life um but you know then she she realized that she couldn't stay there because she hadn't earned it um but so she wakes up in this life where she's married to this man and then she's like what do, do i have do I have sex with him? Do I not? Because he's a stranger to her and she is who she is, but she isn't who she is. So where, where is the, the, his consent in all this? This is like breaking my brain to try and figure this out. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of like a, um, what, like a revenge of the nerds situation. Oh, where, totally. You know, he thinks he's having sex with his wife, but it's not really his wife. I but mean, it that, is his wife, but it's but not it his wife. But it sort of is, but it yeah. sort of isn't, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of creepy. But he does mention at some point, like, oh, she she puts off having sex with him for a while, doesn't he? I, I think he says that. Yeah. And, that and, then it, and then it, quote unquote, it happened. It just happened. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, but she I don't think it's ideal him, but... for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's uh, that's the thing that really stressed me out about this book, and I it, it was that every time she went into this Nora that made different choices, she was still herself. What what do, what do they call it? What's the her origin? brute? She was in her root light. She was in a root light person. Self. Yes. yes. Um, and she, so she had to. I mean, it is not the exact thing, but it, quantum leap into a 
her body, but she's in a completely different situation. And I was stressed out every single time. I was like, Oh, I got major anxiety. I mean, like that such a stress dream, right? Like you're on stage and you don't know the lyrics. Yeah, that's the one where I got stressed out. Horrifying. (laughs) It's a terror yeah, I got I got a lot of anxiety about that too. The Olympic happened in almost every life. Yeah, the Olympic swimmer one where she had to give a speech Mm -hmm. and she was like, uh she could fake that, but the uh the rock star performing the encore one i was like she, she better get out of this life quick yeah that was a reach i don't, I'm just I don't do like bridge this. over troubled water and everyone's going to be fine with it because i'm sure all the kids know that song <laughs> yeah no that was extremely extremely stressful so but yeah it was weird to think of all of these people she's interacting with that or think they're interacting with her, but they're not, but they are, but they're not. It's yeah. It's kind of a mind fuck a little bit. And she's doing a podcast interview about songs. (laughs) She doesn't remember writing like, ugh. yeah, it was, it was, I don't don't understand (laughs) what, what makes her the root Nora as opposed to all these other Nora's because they're not copies. They're fully formed in their own reality Mm -hmm. where they're the root Nora. So, how can she take their lives? Where, yeah, the where, fact that she would retain like her original brain doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Is, is, is this like a split thing where, no, there can't be, where there's like the Nora of that life is living her own thing? Like the Nora of that life must just disappear. Disappear, yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. what they say, like when if she comes back to... You know, the, the other Nora will be like, oh, uh, what, wait, what were we just talking about? Like I forgot... You know, I forgot what we were talking about. And she'll just have a momentary lapse. And that's how she comes back into herself. Yeah. But if she if she decides to stay in the life, she will gradually start to remember that life. And the whole midnight library of it all will kind of fade. So is she exterminating the Nora that she's right. replacing? And she did start to do that a little bit with her life with Ash, it sounds like. You know, she mm-hmm. started to have memories that she didn't naturally have in her root life. So it actually did begin where she was kind of starting to become that version of herself. I don't know. I I, I guess I'm wondering if we're not sort of engaging on a fool's errand by trying to figure out the magical (laughs) realism aspect of this. Like, how do you guys feel about magical realism in general? Um, I, it's weird because with this book, I, I didn't read anything about this book. I went into it completely cold. So I had no idea that it was magical realism. I mean, I guess by the title, maybe I sort of assumed that it was something, but at first, I was like, oh, no, is this going to be, like, I'm not, this is not what I want. And I got this vibe from <laughs> when Dave and I watched the first season of The Man in the High Tower. Is that what it's called? The Man oh, in yeah. the High, High Castle. Castle. I had yeah. never, I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, cool, I love thinking about, like, what if the Nazis want? Cause, <laughs> because I'm weird and I want to think about that. Like, I had read The Plot Against America. Like, I want to think about what would have happened. And then at the end, it's like, magical realism a little bit or a little bit more fantasy and I was like Mm -hmm. no I feel like I've been tricked like this is not what I wanted I didn't want a fantasy aspect of it but with this I mean like um you know there's uh, a little princess the 
that I mean, I know it's a book, but the Alfonso Cuarón interpretation of it was very like magical realism, and I loved it. Like I was like swept away by it. I thought it was really beautiful. And so sometimes, like if I'm in the mood, I can get into it. But I have to be in a certain mood to really like jive with it. I think it's something that I enjoy if I don't think about it too hard. Like I, I, you know, I like the Outlander books. And by the way, a new one just came out. Um, and oh my god, my roommate was reading those when we were in college. Yep. I think it's the seventh book just came out a few days ago. Um, and I'm definitely listening to that. Um, and it's, it's cool as long as I don't think too hard about it because that one involves time travel and it can be maddening to think of the implications, um, and, and the, the logistics of that, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so it's like a brain break, you know, it's like, don't consider the implications of this too, too much, or it kind of like spoils the fun. I like historical fiction, so that doesn't hurt because that's a big part of that series. Um, doesn't really factor in here, but it's something that I can like set aside, you know, I can set aside the logistical concerns (laughs) to enjoy the book. How do you feel about it, Bobby? It's, you know, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about it here and listening to your all answers, and I don't read as much of this kind of stuff as I think any of you do. So it's different for me to pick up this kind of book. I normally wouldn't go out of my way for it. I'm so used to reading, well, generally nonfiction, which is why this whole project has been interesting for me when we do these book club weeks. Um, I struggle with, with it because it it feels a little too convenient (laughs) like the the magical elements the the non-natural elements of this um always immediately lead me to think that every device like i can't read a book like this without being like oh i wonder how that's going to come back around (laughs) oh i wonder how this is going to come back around like everything is just and and i'm talking about you know i am also someone who's probably seen every episode of murder she wrote six times (laughs) and so like i know that like oh that's a weird aside that wouldn't happen unless there was a reason why it's happening now because it's going to be that guy who is a known actor is a guest star in this (laughs) (laughs) that's the same with every like svu like if they've got you know somebody who's famous like Kurt Cameron be, be the, the murderer, murderer. <laughs> yeah. right? And, but and then you add the device of, of you know this this uh, this uh, supernatural element of, oh well, we're going to go back and not back in time, but we're going to see your life in other ways if you had made these changes. It's like, oh, I wonder what the eight changes are going to be, mm-hmm. and and suddenly that was just all right. That menu was already mm-hmm. laid out for us in the first few chapters. So yeah, very much I, I don't so. know. I you know, I, and this sort of leads into my criticism of the whole book, which was that it was a fine read. Uh, and, and it's an easy story to sort of fall into, but you kind of feel like you know where every chapter is going when you start it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, from the very beginning, as soon as I understood what was going on, I was like, oh, it's going to be about love is the answer. And of course it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> it always is. Like, I'm sort of getting is that sick a show of title? that. It's, no, it's going to be about love is the answer. And of course it was. Can you put an eye roll emoji in there? Because that... <laughs> <laughs> I feel about it. But all of that said, it was very readable, right? And, yeah. and yeah. this, except, I mean, the end, it does tie up neat, and that was a little exhausting. But, um, you know, it, it uses that device well. Like, if you wanted to create a function where you got to open a bunch of doors and play in that space, then sure, sure. I feel like sometimes with books that involve, or stories, or movies, whatever, that involve 
magic. Magic is used as a crutch and it gets people out of situations they never would have been able to get out of before. Um, And that is always kind of exasperating to me. It's like, okay, well, now you're in this impossible situation and what's going to happen? Oh, the dragon's going to come and save you. Like, of course it is. You know, like that, that feels like a cop out at a certain point. And I don't really think this book veered into that territory, but that's generally my problem with magical realism. It's a cop out. Yeah. I, I start to trip over my own brain with Mm. this stuff and I'm like, am I just not getting it? <laughs> is it because the the whole love is the answer part of it? I'm like, I don't think it's that simple. No, it's not. No, it's and not. then I'm like, but maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong. No, I'm in the not. maze. No. Well, no. The, the difference is that you don't have magic realism to work with. Like, <laughs> it's 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 such a convenience mm-hmm. to use that device. It just. Yeah. It, you can turn it on and off whenever you want, and right, yeah, the real world does not work that way, no. and so it, yeah, that's a that's a false and dangerous message to send. Really, yep. I guess, yeah, I like I'm I'm really vibing with what you're saying, Bobby. <laughs> I talk like the kids, and I say I'm vibing. <laughs> uh, like like it is all pat, kind of, and it is all. Oh. Uh, a, a setup and it feels more like he's um making a point yeah than telling a story i mean i guess he's telling a story in order to prove a point but he has it very i i, I mean i guess the mechanics of the point and it's a very like philosophical thing so like i don't know how much you can like weave it into the narrative rather than just overlaying it but but yeah, it it was like I, I was like, yep, this this is where we're going, and this is how we're yeah. doing it. But all the same, like we said at the beginning, I enjoyed riding that boat yeah. down the river. Yeah, it's I actually kind of a fun journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the weakest part of the book was the action sequence yeah. in the library at yes. the end yes. when mm-hmm. it's on fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I liked the aspects of her exploring these alternate lives. And finding out the consequences of these other actions the most, for sure. It's theme and variation, right? You, you get to be attached to a very small number of characters. That's exactly and, what and it was, yeah. yeah. And see all the different... And that I did like, because I don't have the attention span to get to know 30 characters. But what I can do is be able to know the same six people in all of their A prime, A, you know, double right, prime, A triple sure. prime. Get to know them in all those different facets. Because you you can start to own knowing how they're going to react. So like, you know, that even though the people are in different circumstances, they're still the same people. And so you can kind of write the story yourself to a certain extent, like that, that two chapters in one life, you can probably extrapolate out that whole world in your head. Cause you already know where those people are coming from. Yeah. I, I, I think I enjoyed the most revisiting her brother in every mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. and and seeing how his life was different because of her choices. Well, and he was sort of like the North Star a little bit. You know, it was like uh, mm-hmm. what he's doing is the most meaningful thing sort of in the situation, it seems. Right. Because he has such high safety and, and yeah. happiness yeah. were yeah. the most important to her. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of her biggest regrets was the, the breakdown of the relationship with her brother. So the fact that it changed 
so much and based on her various choices was really interesting um you know what i kind of kept thinking was going to happen was that her like i'm i am okay so one i knew obviously that ash was going to come back in some scenario but i was like i don't want her i don't want the answer to be that she like found him and then was in love and you know lived happily ever after like it was all wrapped up in a relationship but I did kind of think that like maybe she and um her who never really actually appeared her friend Izzy were gonna like fall in love because <laughs> she loved <laughs> oh, her so much and I, I, and I, was I like, wondered if we were gonna get to that to scenario yeah. yeah like that was gonna be a scenario of it um at some situation and actually I I, I didn't read that many reviews afterwards because I wanted to like think of it on my own, but I was just Googling around and I read an NPR review. I read the same one. And it was you like, yeah, me. it was just basically like it was too <laughs> linear. Like it was too pat almost Yeah, about what happened. And, and by the end of it, I, I did kind of think that like while in it, I didn't think that. But when I got to the end, it was like, okay, well, okay. So it, she just. Yeah, like pull yourself up. It was a little pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thinking of it. Yeah. With medication, I guess. But Right. Which misses so, the point, which is what Meredith was saying, yeah, is that it, when you have clinical depression, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is not an option. Does no, not work. No, does <laughs> it's not, not the problem. <laughs> and, and what's frustrating is she kind of realizes that to some extent it was the, um, you know, I know I'm being self-pitying right now. Like, I know that about myself and I can't get out of it. You know, I can't. And like, I... So in the beginning, I was like, she sees herself for what she is, kind of. You mm-hmm. know, she's she's realistic about this. And then by the end, it's like, oh, I just need to choose happiness. <laughs> yeah, I, I when I talk about my own depression, I I often use the analogy of being at the bottom of a well. Like yeah. you know, you're yep. in the well. That yes. doesn't mean you can get out of it. Yes, but you realize you have awareness of where you are. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I described it to my parents when I was a teenager. <laughs> Like that's how, that's definitely how it felt. Yep. And even, even more than that, I would say it's like being at the bottom of the well and being in despair. Like I've been at the bottom of the well for so long and I've screamed and screamed and screamed and nobody has come. And I have had the realization that I'm going to die at the bottom of the well and there's nothing that I can do to change it. That's what depression is like. It's this absence of hope. This not even like. Yeah, no motivation to get out. No asking idea somebody how to, to get out. Yeah, the, yeah, asking somebody to appreciate that life is full of potential and possibility, and all you have to do is embrace it. Kind of misses the point. Very much misses the point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was. So like, yeah, it was a great book. <laughs> no, it's so weird when I start when I started it. Like an hour after I'd started it, I thought. I really love this book. This is great. I'm like having a great time reading this book, which sounds weird about basically a book about depression. But like, I was like, I really enjoy it. And then by the end, I was just like, I thought was not the message. I thought that was going to happen. And I guess maybe along the way, like you said, I knew that that's how it was going to end, but I, that's not really how I wanted it to end. But I don't know how I wanted it to end. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if she was just like, I'm going to find the most perfect life and stay yes. there. And yeah. that's the end of yeah. the book. That no. wouldn't be a book, right? No. Like that wouldn't make any sense. So of course, there's got to be some sort of like I think the message was intended to be like okay now I have some hope and yeah. I feel like I can have some I don't want to die all over my life yeah yeah um and so if there was supposed to be an uplifting message I guess that was it like yeah. hope maybe what an end it would be if she just went through it all of a sudden like well 
I guess I'll just die. <laughs> I know. I kind of thought maybe that was this. But then, you know, I heard all these people that were in book clubs that read it. And I, all these people were like, oh, yeah, I read it. And I was like, there's no way that this would have been so popular if it was like, and then she died. <laughs> and then she died. Although it would have been probably a more real. Well, actually, you know what? Based on the antidepressant that she said she was on, you can't really overdose on that stuff. So I call bullshit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's I'm not fully just... up to her, right? Like, she's in limbo. She's in between life and death. Right. And if yeah. she yeah. dies, it, the choice is taken away from her. That's not up to her. No. No, but it's good. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I read it. I, you know, it was not time wasted. It was like a fun no, no, no. kind of, you know, interesting, you know, like a little time travel. Not time travel, but like travel through. And you, you do think about it a little bit and reflect on different choices you've made you know, minus the depression part, but just different choices you've made throughout your life. If you had done this or this, you know, which way, how would you still be the same in a lot of ways and how would you be different and what would your life look like? Yeah. We're not allowed to make the sliding doors comparison, no. but there's <laughs> no, definitely no. <laughs> the butterfly effect. I said no. Thing no. <laughs> no sliding doors. I said no. It's quantum leap. It's kind of quantum leap. Well, no, but, no, but it's I not. In quantum leap, he goes into other people's lives. Yes. But it's, it's right. more like... It's I, multi-dimensional quantum leap. It's more just okay. like, you know, like if I hadn't moved to the Bay Area, if I had stayed in Dallas, like what would have happened? You know, if I decided to do... Like just little choices like that. You're like, well, how would how would I have come... Been here, I wouldn't have met Dave, I wouldn't have had my kids. You know, all, all these kind of random little things that... You just, you don't know. And, and, and it's sort of an arbitrary decision. Like it wasn't, I didn't ponder over it. I was like, man, I'm going to move to, I'm going to move to Berkeley, you know, and who knows what would have happened. Well, that's kind of what I've been thinking about a lot too, is like, what choices would I make differently? And I feel like I have a zillion trillion endless amount of regrets in my life, but like, I'm finally kind of in a place where I'm content and happy with my life. So would I want to change any of that? Because I'm finally here, you know. But it was real shitty along the way. So (laughs) I could have made it a lot easier on myself. I mean, maybe the best lesson of the novel is that your time regretting things is wasted. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) We don't have a midnight library. We can't go back and redo these things so yeah regret is pointless all we can do is look forward because all we are is potential is that thank you Bobby. something about potential <laughs> blah 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 yeah uh, this book almost i would i would argue this book almost bordered on us had learning something if it wasn't something I know. so obvious i know, right, I know. Right, right. i'm very worried about that i'm very pleased <laughs> no, with this book choice still... I think it I still mean, fits. Y- yes. Yeah. I, I well, think again, we've come perilously so obvious. <laughs> close. But but uh, in comparison with our other books, I think now that we have three books under our belts in the book club, I'm really happy with how the, the they've shaken out, you know, yeah. the different areas that we've dabbled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got to go for a good, like, sci-fi or fantasy next, and that'll... We can do. A I can come up something with one. New. I've got a lot of those. We can do a celebrity know. book club. <laughs> oh, that's true. Christy's reading Rachel Bloom's book. Oh, that's a good one. If we are reading Lance Armstrong's, I'm quitting. <laughs> no, God, what? <laughs> God, let's all come up with why we're quitting. I hate him so much. Uh, 
Uh, I know he really dodgeball would still be so rewatchable, except for that scene with Lance Armstrong. Only for him. (laughs) All right. Well, we didn't get to all the questions that we uh, that I had prepared, but that's fine. No, I liked our conversation. Yeah, it was not. It was free flowing and not. I feel like we got a little too critical. Like I think it. I don't know if it deserved all that criticism, but <laughs> yeah, right, right. I think it may come off as saying that we didn't like the book. No, yeah, it was a fine read. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I enjoyed I mean, it very much. It's not yeah. like it's in the DNA of this show to be hypercritical of something we enjoy. No. I mean, Carrie Mulligan. the The audiobook was delightful. I, I mean, really she, liked. She her has narration. The best voice. Like it yeah. is so great. And what I will say also is, um. Sometimes when a celebrity reads a book that's not like their own book, um, that's, you know, they're reading a fiction book, they don't do the job that they need to do, which is to change up the voices or, you know, to make you forget that it's that person reading it. I forgot that it was her reading it and just really enjoyed this voice. It wasn't like, oh, this is Carrie Mulligan. She did a wonderful job. She just, you know, the voices were distinct and Mm -hmm. I I thought she was lovely. Yeah. So... So I guess, what's our rating system for this? Oh, goodness. Mm. Should it be like lives? (laughs) (laughs) Universes? (laughs) Hmm. How many many books? How many? Ooh, this is a hard one. It could be like, okay, so you give it like a a T if you don't like it, a TS if you uh, two star like it, (laughs) TSH. (laughs) <laughs> and then T-S-H-E is like the like the full Monty oh so we're playing horse <laughs> yeah but but not but it needs to be book specific it needs to be sure, library sure. specific okay sure um but you know the we should just get simple here. The book is called Midnight Library. So Yeah, how many library cards? A, a, a oh library. yeah, library cards. Yeah. That's how good. Many, how many library, library. finds? You know, yeah. what's, what's a unit of library measure? I mean, how, what do they call the the cards that used to write your name? Dewey in? Decimal. <laughs> how many? How, how many Deweys do we give? Many... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm down for that. Deweys, yeah. Well, uh, out, out out of how many Deweys? Well, what is it like nine hundred and something? I forget how high the oh, Dewey right. system goes. All right. Uh, okay, fine. Then we'll say nine hundred Deweys. I give it 650 Deweys. Bobby? Yeah, that lands right in the middle of... That's wait, what was that? basically what I was going to say. Six, 650 is what you gave it? 650 out of 900. That's, that's in the heart of uh, the technology class. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, Meredith, you were saying? I think 650 is pretty much where I was going to land as well. Yeah, I was thinking 600 on that scale, yeah, it was, it was like very readable, very yeah. digestible, easy to, yeah. Um, I will give it a six seventy five. Price is right, scoring <laughs> despite only one very boring sex scene. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the sex scenes. I mean, I kind of they were like, and then we had sex. She had sex a couple of times. Well, I mean, who knows? Because there was like a raft of ones that she just lifted, a raft of lives she just listed off. Who knows if she. 
And she got horny with that that other guy who was also yes. sliding between also a slider. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it sounded yeah. really boring. I know. She yeah. was like that was fun. So, that was the one that I thought was she, like, funny. Where disappeared she said, right away. <laughs> she was just like I wasn't enjoying this at all. I was like, yeah, I've been there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> if only you could just disappear I know. in those situations. Oh. Yeah. Sadly, I've been on the other side of that creature. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I was right that I knew the De- decimal system was 900. It's 000, zero through 999, so that makes sense. But wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. Very nice. Yeah. That's great. Well, so. all, that, all that's left is to ask our question of the week, which is, what form would your midnight library take? I guess we didn't really talk about this, but she understands through conversation with this other slider guy that... The Midnight Library is specific to her, that it's a manifestation of her subconsciousness. And it took the form of a library where for him, it takes the form of a video store. And I forget what they said for the other people that they met. But I guess it could be anything where you have a selection of of different items. So a clothing store, a grocery store, a... So I I had a thought about this because I thought this was an interesting question too. And, and grocery store was the first thing I came up with, but the second one, which I think rings a little more true is maybe a, um, a book of songs, like a music book. Oh, um, because there's an infinite amount of combination of, of notes. Right. And so each Mm -hmm. of those could be a life. Hmm. Yeah. I like it very much. Yeah. So this is what we're asking. What form would your midnight library take? This is a very high concept question yeah. Yeah, for is. question of the week. Yeah. But uh, we've had quite a number of uh, listeners who mentioned that they read it. So I have faith that maybe you've thought about this yourself. Yep. I'm very curious how people who haven't read this book will interpret this question. <laughs> <laughs> what? My who yeah. right now? I'm still processing my answer, so I think I'll have to come back with it next week. I, you I can think, post it on the Facebook page. I feel like mine, oh, there we go. even though there's, there would have to, I don't know, I, I think mine would have to be like a movie theater if there's a, like yes, a selection mm, of movies. Sense. Um, and speaking of which, no, Anne, if you want to say yours, you can. No, I you need to think, think about it. I'm really depressed and say that. Mine would also be a library. Yeah, I can't yeah. come yeah. up yeah. with yeah. anything better. No, it's a good one. It it's a good actually, one. I think I know what mine would be because this this has come up in my life uh, as someone who's been in a lot of airports um, or actually really the same couple of airports a lot of times. But when you're in an airport that's a huge airport and you're walking and you've got a lot of time to kill and I'll walk around and see the boarding gates or the the boarding, uh, whatever, the boards, the screens at each one. And I'll always think to myself, fuck, I should just go there. Like, yeah, Yeah. I should just take that flight to to Washington or. Hey, forget where I'm going. I don't want to go back to Buffalo tonight. Let me uh, let me go do that and go to LAX. Yeah. And like, so I could see like just endlessly walking around an airport that never ends and just boarding different flights. Don't Ooh. go to LAX. Though. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. God. That's very good. And it puts me in mind of Tom Hanks in the terminal. Yes. Yeah. Where it's that same liminal space where he it's can't enter and he can't leave. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So my country will just go to war after I land at this. <laughs> Fair enough. Airport in my mind. Those are good. Those are good. All yeah, right. Very on brand. I 
I I do wonder what the movie looks like. I haven't looked it up because I didn't want to corrupt my brain on if there's like casting because this is for sure going to be a movie. Oh right. yeah, this is yeah. this yeah. reads like it was written to be a movie. A I, I yeah. actually <laughs> thought that, and well, what's funny the the uh, Miss Elm, the librarian. I the only thing I could think of was the li- the librarian in Ghostbusters. Like I, that was the only image <laughs> I could think of, and that was scared the shit out of me when I was a little kid when she goes shh and then she goes like all over the place that's all mm-hmm. I can think of <laughs> my dad used to stop the VHS right in the middle of that transformation oh. so for maximum freak out oh, God. scary scary god I my parents took me to see that movie in the theaters it came out in 1984 I was six at most six years old that's a scary movie for a six-year-old I was taken to see Temple of Doom when I was oh, like God. four or oh. something. That's a scary movie, and it's yeah. disgusting and super racist. But well, my dad a- covered my yeah. eye. Like he tried to cover my eyes, but he covered my mouth instead. Like he was so enthralled that he just couldn't even like <laughs> aim correctly. And so I saw the whole. I saw. I saw it all, yeah. and it haunts my dreams. Yep. Thanks, Dad. I know they're bad, but great, but bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to Tishi recommends. I'm I'm really in movie season again. Um, unfortunately, watching movies on Netflix, but that's where they live. So I watched Tick Tick Boom. Now I want to say I. Everybody was like, "Oh, you're gonna love it" because it was directed by Lin Manuel Miranda. Well, okay. One, he's not a director, so I didn't know if I was gonna like it. Two, I um. I like Rent fine. I was weirdly like not a huge Rent person. Like I just whatever it just did not capture my heart or attention and i ended up seeing it too late where i was like they need to pay their rent like these people are (laughs) um like i'm sorry like they need to like hillary the landlord (laughs) (laughs) um so i was never like you know i think that the story of jonathan larson is very interesting um but i just was and i didn't really know anything about tick tick boom except that it existed i ended up really loving this movie it was this sounds stupid it was way more of a musical than i thought it was going to be there are a lot of songs in this uh, movie so if you're not into musicals um do not watch that but um i thought it was really lovely and um i i wasn't expecting to like it and i really did and i thought andrew garfield who's not a singer um but you know and everybody had said no he was not a singer but you know he he worked really hard, and you can tell. Like, mm, is this a La La Land type no, situation? No, no, he's definitely stronger than than them. But um, but there are other singers that are like actually like, um, even though she's bizarre, Vanessa Hudgens has a nice voice, and then Joshua Henry, who is my um, um, uh, I, I saw him in Hamilton when I went in Chicago. He was Aaron Burr. He's also a singer, and he has a lovely voice. Um, so he's surrounded by enough people that are are doing a good job and he does a really good job and he looks so much like Jonathan Larson they made him look so much like him it was crazy anyway it's very sweet and it's it is really tragic that he you know that he died like right before he was going to become like a world famous um Lin-Manuel Miranda like that that was who he was on track to become but it it I thought it was really interesting about like striving in art and and I like how they make you know artists seem like assholes you know, they, they're so one track minded that they kind of destroy everyone around them. But I, anyway, I thought it was really good. And I, I, 
Yay, Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think that, like, he maybe needs to take a break, though, because I think he, he has this. Uh, he has um, Encanto, which is, like, a kid's movie, I guess, that he wrote the songs for. I'm like, and then he had In the Heights. I'm like, dude, you need to, like, you're kind of a heart attack. You need to step out for a little bit. Everybody's going to be sick of you. So, anyway, I liked it. I know. I think I was thinking Christy and I might have to devote an episode when it comes to like Oscar time, just like one episode where it's just us talking about what we've seen. Because <laughs> Christy, I'll, uh, listen. I'll happily listen to that yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can be challenged to yes. watch some things. There was one year when Matt was in college and he came home for Christmas and he was home for, I don't know, like 10 days or something. And we were like, Let's go to the movies every night. And we didn't go every night, but I think we went six nights in a row. Wow. And we saw, that was, uh, we saw The Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, yes. We saw some Hunger Games, something. I don't know. We saw a bunch of stuff that year. So, like, I'm up for a challenge. Yeah. No, and it's, I always, even if I don't like the movie, I always, for the most part, I'm, like, happy that I saw it and I can be involved in the discussion. I don't ever think it's... I mean, I've definitely had a bad time at a movie where I want to leave. I think when I it's saw... It's still an experiment, experience, oh, though. And, like, like, I saw Ocean's 12, and I remember being like, this is the worst movie. I like. I think there was nobody else in the theater. I think we were just talking throughout it, because I was like, this is a terrible movie. <laughs> when I saw... what was What's the Revenge of the Sith? I was like, I don't understand what's going on right now. What is happening right now? Um, have you ever walked out of the theater? Mm. I don't think I have, actually, because I'm a little bit too cheap that I feel like I should get my yep. money's worth. Yeah, me what's too. The, what's the Robin Williams toys? Oh, yeah, that's that's brutal. I left. I, I walked out of toys. I, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, Maybe I, I, I the, the Batman with like George Clooney, I think I came close to, but <laughs> I didn't. But I, but I mean, at some points I do stop paying attention, so. Um, there was an early-ish Ethan Hawke movie that I'm trying to find. We didn't walk out because we rented it, but that's one where we just stopped in the middle of the movie. We were like, no, this isn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it had it had uh, Ethan Hawke and Skeet Ulrich or something. Oh, God. There's some floppy hair. The Newton boys. Oh, right, it was right. the Newton boys. It's, it's What's-His-Face from here. It's... um. Um, the guy that did Days and Confused. And that was like his big, like, I'm going to be a Hollywood director. Yeah, Richard, Richard Linklater. Richard it's got Matthew yeah. McConaughey, mm-hmm. yes. Ethan Hawke, Skeet Ulrich, Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Oh, that was... And we were just, no, no we're not <laughs> we're not wasting our time on the rest of this. Uh, and so, But sometimes those are good memories where you're like, that was really bad. But it kind of makes me laugh when things are so terrible. How do you fuck up a story with those people about bank robbers? No, <laughs> it's all there. Don't make it a meditation on like manhood or something. Like, just uh, give me the action. I think I'm gonna go watch <laughs> the town again now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. With that, Bobby has to go watch the town, so we got to get out of here. Um. Yep. Get involved with the show. The website is thisshowhaseverything.com. Um. Go to throwyourphone.com. Join the Facebook group. Tell us what your midnight library is if you understand what that means. Uh, show Twitter is at Tishi Show. Email us at Tishi at 10710.com. See, I, I always mess that up. I, I always try to say, try not to say emails at because it sounds weird to say emails at Tishi at t- 10710.com. Yep. But I messed it up. Um, so please send us a voice memo. We want to hear your voices. They're lovely. Um, Facts, Bobby. 
um, some Dewey Decimal numbers, I guess. At six one seven three five four eight five one three. What's your favorite Dewey Decimal number? Go. Um, Missy's a librarian. She'll be able to tell us. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, y'all. And that was close to everything about the Midnight Library. I forgot to get into the conceit about the music store being called String Theory. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There were several. (laughs) 